Nothing's going your way, you've had a bad day, it's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth say take a deep breath from fade to gray, it's mental. Welcome to another episode of Mental. This is Seth and I'm here with Michelle. And we are here to talk about two very exciting things. And when I say exciting, I'm just excited to talk about this stuff because it, (laughs) one, applies to my life, and two, I'm excited about the topic. But we're going to talk about powerlessness and power by association. We will be looking at where we find power and how that impacts us, really looking at these stages and then implying that psychologically to our own deconstruction. But to get things started, how's it going, Michelle? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm ready to talk about this. Are you? Okay. Well, now hold on because we haven't had a mental minute. Oh, you did not (laughs) warn me for that. His whole face just fell when I said You did not warn me for that. That's not planned. I'm sorry. That's supposed to be a part of every episode. <sighs> we talked about that. We did, and we did not do it in the last one. That's all right. That was an overview, but now we're getting into the nitty gritty. So before we get started, let's take a mental minute. All right, Michelle, <laughs> tell us. How are you doing? Oh, I have <laughs> to You start? pulled it up. You've got to roll Shit. with it. <laughs> tell us works. Well, I, it's down to depending on the minute for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Of course, everybody knows I'm getting ready to move. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, that, that process is continuing. We're into the nitty-gritty negotiation contingency set of escrow at the moment. So it's making my brain hurt a little bit. And my wallet. How's your roof? How's my roof? How's your roof? My roof is fine. Just checking. I swear they bring up all these things and then they send out experts and they climb up there and he's like, there's nothing wrong with this roof. I'm like, I know that. (laughs) But thank you for, for clarifying that. Yeah, so it's just a ton of paperwork. It's all that. And then, of course, it's the packing. My husband's been packing for two weeks. So I went to reach for a book today. And as you can see, Seth, behind me, everything's in boxes. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't get the book I wanted. I was kind of pissed off about that. But it is what it is. I didn't have to pack it, so I'm not going to complain about it. And then just for fun, you know, I'm getting ready for this competition. So my calories have dropped. My workouts have increased. I'm exhausted. And I had a mental breakdown the other day. Literally, I full on mental broke down, started crying all because I got on the scale. (laughs) So I'm curious, as a bodybuilder, when you get on the scale, you're hoping for more weight, not less weight. So it's no, no, no. At this point, it's less because I'm trying to get rid of body fat. I'm trying to lean out for the for the competition. So you want to see the scale coming down. And of course, it, it it's a bad indicator and my coach yells at me all the time, stay off the scale. It means nothing, but it's ingrained in me that that's important. Mm-hmm. And so I stepped on the scale and I was, I was up like three pounds and I was like, how the hell is that possible? And so I had a mental breakdown and I called my coach or I, I sent her a text message. And so then I got a video from her yelling at me, <laughs> telling me, I told you to keep your ass off that scale. Quit looking at numbers. None of that matters. You're fine. <laughs> and on and on and on and on. So I had a little mental breakdown and then we had another come to Jesus meeting yesterday and I have maintained, I've done everything I'm supposed to. So I just need to stay in the frame of mind to trust her and move on. So yeah, I've had, I've had a shitty mental attitude for the last few days. So what I'm hearing, well, no, 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 not so quick. (laughs) So what I'm hearing is you're in the midst of a move in which your entire life has kind of been thrown up into the air. And this has been very stressful. It sounds like it's been very busy. There's been lots of things happening. And it sounds like you're coping with exercise. Am I correct? Yeah, but I tend to do I tend to do that anyway, even in non stress, non stressful. I'm using air quotes, non stressful times. Yeah, exercise is my go to because that's my that's my fix for anxiety and depression. I don't take medication. So that is how I'm always coping. Mm hmm. So you throw in a little extra stress, uh, a little, you know, caloric deficit and aching body, and it's a recipe for disaster. So. <laughs> what I was about to say is gone. That's because it's your turn to tell me how you are mentally. 
Oh, am I? Yeah, I'm yes. doing. I'm doing well. Um, I'm going on a vacation next week. I'm taking off Yay. the entire week. I need to get out of this city. So <laughs> I had an Airbnb planned and everything, but I realized that they had a jacuzzi and it was inside and I wanted an, a hot tub outside. So I canceled my reservation. And then I realized that was a dumb decision and tried to get it back this morning. And they declined me. <gasps> oh, the audacity of it. And so... <laughs> I'm going to the lake with my mother and father. That's their that's their gift to me, which I am very thankful well, for. Nice. It is. Yeah. Let's hope I don't kill them. It's very kind, but I am I am very excited to take some time off. I have a question. Though. Yes. Does it have a hot tub? I am almost certain it does not. <laughs> so out of all of this, there's still no hot tub. Well, damn. Welcome to my life. But it's at Lake of the Ozarks, and I, I'm sure we can at least get one day, you know, where we can get on a boat. <laughs> sure. And hang out. So. You can sit in the lake and kick your feet. You kind of have a jacuzzi feeling. Yes. Ish. <laughs> but I think it's Ish. supposed to be really cool next week. I think it's only supposed to be in the 70s. Uh, Ooh, that's a little chilly, it though. Is for the lake, specifically. Yeah. No, but if we want to talk about my mental health, that was just like what's happening in my life. If we want to talk about my <laughs> mental health, I, I'm doing truthfully a little better than I expected in regards oh, to work. Um, there's been a lot happening. Awesome. I've seen some strength. I've gotten some major shout outs recently, which has really kind of eased a lot of my anxiety. And at this point, right. it's just telling the imposter to shut up. And <laughs> and try to like feel confident and relax, which I just struggle to do inherently. Uh, I'm always right. kind of waiting for that shoe to drop, but I'm really fighting that imposter and trying to embrace uh, peace. But you know, it well, it, it it's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, there now everybody knows all of our little foibles mm -hmm. and our interesting life circumstances. <laughs> So now let's talk about power. Yeah. What a transition. <laughs> what a transition. <laughs> well, so we're going to start with powerlessness, mm -hmm. which is an interesting little place to start. But actually, it makes sense to start there because we all come into this world in a place of powerlessness. If you stop and think about it, we certainly are inherently reliant on other people to take care of us as we enter into this life. So we have to be fed. We have to be taken care of. Um, we have to be dressed. Everything. Right. Our life is not ours yet at that point. Definitely when we're children, we know nothing. Yes. But as it pertains to powerlessness in this discussion, more than likely we're going to talk about what it feels like to be an adult and be powerless. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that? Well... Two things immediately come to mind. One is anytime you start a new job. Yeah. You don't know anything. You rely on other people to provide you information and it takes time. The other thing that comes to mind is something that I can personally testify to. And it's when your life falls apart, like you lose a job or you, you get excommunicated by a friend or something happens on your other podcast or, you know, something bad happens. <laughs> And you have a moment of feeling like you are in crisis. And in that right. crisis, there is a sense of powerlessness. Right. And it, as we were talking about in our last episode, how you can, you know, climb through a lot of these stages and then something can happen and you can fall right back down. And I think that that's yeah. pretty common for people who experience any type of major crisis in their life. I think it it kind of inherently puts you back into this into this place at least at least well, temporarily of course anybody that has had an experience with feeling out of control mm -hmm. in, in a circumstance has this feeling and it, it may be short-lived hopefully it's short-lived for some people it isn't though there's that constant feeling and and one of the things of course that goes along with 
this feeling of powerlessness is that feeling of being manipulated. Anytime you feel like you've been manipulated by somebody. Pushed around. Uh, or a circumstance. Yeah. Pushed around. Confronted. There's a sense of powerlessness to it. I, I remember, and of course, I'm going to give away my age here, but I remember little cartoons when I was a kid, uh, like in comic books and stuff. And it was always, it was an advertisement basically, but it was the little scrawny guy on the beach with the girl mm -hmm. and the big muscle bound guy comes along and he just, he kicks this guy, you know, gets away and takes his girl. And that to me is what comes to mind when I think about powerlessness is that idea of you are faced with something that is immovable in your life. You're unable to, to fight back against it. And you find yourself in this place of just complete powerlessness and frustration. At least that's what I feel. When I'm powerless, I feel frustrated. I feel angry. And it's not a nice place to be. Well, especially in that sense, when you're being manipulated, confronted, things like that, it's almost like you have to ask for approval to do things. And it makes you right. feel, especially as an adult, it makes you feel like a child. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Not not fun. No. And it, it does, like, as I said a minute ago, it brings up those feelings of anger sometimes and frustration. So a lot of times when we're, when we come across people that are, that are angry or frustrated or, or acting out to some degree, it's probably that they are responding from a place of feeling powerless in a situation. And we see a lot of, we see a lot of that in our society and in our culture right now. We have a lot of political upheaval. Right now, we have a lot of people that feel very powerless and that are starting to stand up and say, we have to do something about it. And of course, we're judging behavior and activities around that without stopping to think of the mental state of people that are experiencing this. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to look at it from that perspective. Certainly, as a mental health provider, you have to look at, you know, a mental health professional, you have to look at the, the aspect of why somebody is behaving the way they're behaving. What has happened that's brought them to that place? Or at least I think that anyway. <laughs> I don't know. What do you Whenever think? Whenever I feel like I am not in control, I it's almost like that anger rises up so quickly. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just you You get so angry, you want to fight the system because right. you don't have any power. It's Especially as an adult, it's de it's demoralizing. Um, it's it, It's not enjoyable. And, no. and it really forces you to have to rely on others. And that's the last thing <laughs> a lot of us want to do sure. to take control of our lives. I will say this, though. And again, we had discussed that we were going to apply this to religious ideals or to spirituality, which, by the way, I think are two separate things. As it For me, as it pertains to that conversation, spirituality is anything that deals with our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And religion is anything that deals with our relationship with other people about God. Mm -hmm. That's how I'm differentiating, just so you have yeah. kind of a starting place there. But so a sense of powerlessness is something that we're actually taught. If you think about it, we're taught this in our spiritual life. We are taught that we are powerless to control, you know, our, our eternity, that we have to rely upon Jesus. If we're, if we're discussing things from a Christian perspective, we're powerless. We have to rely upon the power of Christ or God in order to feel secure. Yes. I was watching you process that. I mean, that. <laughs> there's a verse that's coming to mind, but I don't even think it applies. And so I'm like <laughs> debating it. Well, I'll say it. Well, Maybe it does. I don't think it does. But the verse is, you know, <laughs> you know, no one is good. No, not one. Um, it's the sense right. that we are so bad, right? That yes. we need a savior. So not only is there a right. requirement that, that, you know, a requirement for us to lean on God, but there's also, we have to lean on God because we are so, right. we are so sinful. We are so broken. We need a savior. I absolutely think it applies. It, it, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. We are nothing but filthy rags. Everything about us is negative. We are inherently sinful. Without Christ, we're nothing. It, it, this is something that's ingrained in us from a very young age, or, you know, or at least a young religious age. But certainly if you've been involved in Christianity from the time of your childhood on up, this is something that you've heard over and over and over more than likely. So it builds into you a sense of poor self-image, but yet it's considered godly. 
So that's kind of, it kind of warps your mentality a little bit and it puts, it puts some undue pressure on your mental health because you're trying to reconcile. I'm a wretched being and yet God loves me. How can that be? It doesn't make sense. Right. So I absolutely think it applies. And then if we talk about religiously, that sense of powerlessness is a positive for some people. They want to be taken care of. One of the things that an example that was given is a woman in a, in a, in a very, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? In a traditional, that's it, a traditional marriage, so to speak. Traditional. I'm going to use air quotes there again, where the husband works, supports the family. Her job is to take care of the children. She's under his protection. She doesn't have to worry about anything. She makes none of the decisions. Of course, there's not a lot of women anymore that actually live that out, but there are still some that believe that that is the natural order. And so there's a sense of security in that sense of powerlessness that I'm protected and taken yes. care of. So again, when we're when we're talking about these, we can't really okay, put a value so judgment on them. I want to mention something there. We're protected, right? Yeah. We're, we're protected. Right. I.e., we're protected and we don't have to know anything. We're uninformed. It's we are relying right. not only on, on someone to take care of us, but also to teach us because we don't intellectually know all of the things. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. So there's a sense of security in that sense of powerlessness. It's for some people, mm-hmm. it is a positive. Personally, I don't enjoy that feeling and I'm too much of a control freak to allow anyone to tell me what to no. do. Or, <laughs> I tried that for years. I literally tried. I literally tried like my husband should be in charge. He should make the decisions. He should. And, and then I was like, he's no good at the books. He's no good at the finances. That's my area. Why should he do something he's not good? at? And like I would justify mm-hmm. back and forth mm-hmm. with this stuff, you know, and finally I just realized like that's not a good <laughs> But then I struggled, you know, like, and again, if we're talking about things that lead into deconstruction or things that we deal with in deconstruction, this was one of it. My role as a woman, it it was very hard to decide what that was supposed to look like and to feel okay with it. I mean, I, I can't relate. But I know. I think <laughs> that you're right. <laughs> Women have been silenced in the church for how long? <laughs> Yeah, I, but even a but out, even outside of that conversation, I mean, just the normal things like, you know, having an opinion about something that's happening in the family. I I would go back and forth with like, well, he needs to make the decisions. He's the man. He's the head of the household. You know, biblical model. Da 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 da. And yet, I think much quicker. I make decisions much faster. My personality is very different than my husband's. And so I was going crazy, like waiting for him to do or to say or to decide or whatever. And so then I would find myself losing my patience and saying, well, here's what I think, you know, and then castigating myself for stepping outside of being what a good Christian woman is supposed to be. And so it's, yeah, it's a difficult process. I'm just no good at it, but I know some people get off on it. So. Well, there's just, there's, yeah, <laughs> totally there's, cool I mean, with it, so. It's about what you want to be in control over. And I think some people find bliss in not having to worry. Because, right, with greater responsibility, with greater leadership comes greater responsibility. And so there's, you know, this kind of cop out where you can just be like, I don't know anything and kind of find your security there. Right. But I was taught, well, actually, no, I was, I was taught not to ask questions. And then I decided to be like Job and ask questions. But, you know, I, I'm very similar to you in that I don't, I don't like to just be controlled. Um, I like to know what's happening. Right. So there's a sense of autonomy that we feel is necessary in our lives. And yet in this stage of powerlessness mm-hmm. is absent. We, we are at the mercy of someone else or an ideal or a religious system or something that we are having to traverse without stepping outside of the, you know, the bounds of it, the bounds of it that would make somebody upset. That's a difficult place. Powerlessness is not a fun time for me. I'm not one of the people that finds security or safety in that. So, and I do not appreciate when I'm pushed back into that stage, you know, through outside circumstances or whatever. I mean, let's, let's look at what's happening now all around us. I mean, we're dealing with, you know, global pandemic 
much of our freedoms, if you will, have been curtailed. I can't just go to a movie anymore. You know, I can't walk into a store unless I put a mask on. There's a lot of people chafing at those ideas, which I get on a psychological level. I actually do get it. It's that sense of powerlessness. I have to be in control of something. You can't tell me that. I have to do it my way. And and I'm not saying that that's okay. I'm just saying I kind of understand If it. you could see the looks that I'm giving the show right now. <laughs> he gives me those looks all the time. I'm so used yeah. to them. She just validated the non-mass people. <laughs> I did not validate them. I said That's I understand their perspective. the same thing. I'm, no, it's not because I don't agree mm-hmm. with them. I don't believe that that's actually the way they should conduct themselves. I am in favor of if, if a mask is going to make all this go away faster, put the damn thing right. on. I'm, I'm down with that. What I'm saying is I understand the mental process that's going on behind the rebellious ideas about not wearing them. And again, I feel like that's super important. Like we have to start reaching across and saying, let me understand that person's perspective so that I can understand why they're behaving the way they're behaving before I get angry because I will get angry at them. But before I get angry, let me <laughs> let me at least try to understand them. <laughs> But that is a big sense of of helplessness right now, or powerlessness. Yes, it is. And I was just joking with you, but that was a great justification. I know you were. <laughs> I know you were. But, you know, there's a certain level, and I like how we're talking about this, that there are individuals that, to some extent, will allow intentionally other people to control them. It, it, it's rare. Yes. I mean, in my opinion, most of the people I know don't. But there's this whole idea of holding on to that victim stance um, in a way. Yeah. And and yeah. I think that that's pretty crucial. And I, I think that moving forward, that was, isn't the more important thing to do. Ask questions, you know. But I, but I get yeah. it. I mean, it makes sense. Fine. See, I came around. Well, I mean, it. I think you, you, bring up a, you bring up a topic that, of course, is kind of a hot button topic, the idea of victimhood as, as I mean, I've, I've worked with a therapist. I've worked with a life coach who, who brought that up because there are things in my past in which I was a victim of something and I've car- And of course that is carried into my adulthood and has had somewhat of an effect in my, in my life. So when I was confronted with the idea of why are you still being a victim? My first thing was anger. How dare mm-hmm. you? followed quickly by, let me justify why it's okay. Uh-huh. And it took quite a long time before I finally was able to step outside of the emotion of that accusation, if you will, and say, what about that is accurate? And how could it be done differently or better? It took me a long time. and But I think that was beneficial and it was crucial to discuss. Do you think that in talking about deconstruction, do you think that the church thrives off of manipulation and control is there not maybe an environment that kind of brings that about to where it just doesn't happen naturally but that there's like legitimately something within its functioning that drives it well yeah and and i do because i think that you have to first remember that the church is not some separate entity the church is people Mm -hmm. and you may have a building but the church in, in its in its at its essence is people and so anytime you have people involved, yes, you have you have the the chance for manipulation or, you know, to be abused in some form or yeah. fashion. So yes, the church absolutely perpetuates that system and it perpetuates it can because of hierarchy. It's created an empirical system of hierarchy in which we have certain people at the top of the food chain, if you will, that are then working with people below them, and so on and so on, even into our ideas about, as as I kind of alluded to earlier, the idea of a covering. You have Jesus, who is supposed to be the covering over the man, the man who is a covering over the woman, and over the children, and so on. There's this sense of hierarchy. Well, anytime there's a sense of hierarchy, you're going to have manipulative occurrences that are, that are occurring in there. Right. Or, eh, I said that really weird, but you are going to have manipulation. So... So because of that control, it's not really even a church thing. Like it happens in the church, but this can happen. This can sure. happen anywhere, really. And does. For sure. Yes. 
So again, even in organizations, which of course, by their very nature are hierarchical, that they're set up to be that way. I don't believe the church should be, but organizations certainly mm-hmm. are. So of course, there's always the room for manipulation or abuse within those differing levels. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons that in organizations, it's often very taboo to talk about pay structures. Nobody wants anybody to know what they're making because that there's a manip- there's an inherent manipulation behind mm-hmm. that. I make more than you. You have to listen to me. I'm over you. We find the same thing in the church, just done with different language. I'm the pastor. You're just a congregant. I'm a man of God. I'm the mouthpiece of God. You have to listen to me. So we do have, you know, that range. And again, that's stuff that you start to question as you, or I did anyway, started to question as I moved into a deconstructive phase. So, Also, I want to just... I'm going to keep going with this conversation here because if we're, if we're talking about powerlessness, I mean, mm-hmm. I've already mentioned AA, but I think that addictions are huge around oh, sure. this yes. topic because when people feel powerless, they frequently will turn to something that's as a coping strategy that's not helpful. And that's when we start yeah. to see a lot of addictions start to pop up as well. But is it, and I may be wrong about this because I, I've literally, I've been to some group um, like AA or NA, I've been to some of the meetings um, with somebody else, but isn't it part of the structure of that, that you have to admit to powerlessness? Yes, it's the first step. I, it's, yeah, that's it's what I thought. Step, it was one of the steps. It's not just one of the steps. It's the first step. Yeah. You have to admit that you're powerless mm-hmm. over your situation. And over your addictions and um, all of that. So isn't that ironic that often your powerlessness leads you to that, but then you have to admit you're powerless? <laughs> it feels like it's kind of this continual circle to me. I don't know. All they <laughs> need to do is turn to Jesus, Michelle. That's what it's all about. <laughs> it's about I'm powerless and I need a higher power. So are there Hindu support groups? I'm I just don't curious. have any idea. But I it says no it doesn't say Jesus in AA. It's higher power. So it can be it can higher be power, any yeah. power. Like it can be power it can be any it can be god it could be i don't know buddha whatever whatever Whatever. it it could be your best friend whatever it is (laughs) i think that though that they allude mostly to an idea of god so to speak as a higher power but god is universal god in whatever right right I think that leads us then to power by association, it does it not? Does. Isn't that our next step? Power by association. I can't association? believe I, we haven't moved to it yet. I've just been focused. I've been camped <laughs> out just on the powerlessness. That's yeah, okay. Well, let's talk about association. So that tells me a little bit about your mental state right now. Then shut up. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to talk about power by association. Now I think this is pretty. I mean, this right. is pretty self-explanatory, but it's power by who you know. Exactly. Now, now this is where I can really go off on a tangent as, as it pertains to Christianity. Because quite honestly, think about, we've all done this. Like, what conference have I gone to and had my picture taken with, with the speaker so that I could prove to all my friends I know this person? We've all done that shit. Brian's on all the way. Yep. Uh, There's been a ton of them for me. So the idea that we find power in association is Mm -hmm. obvious. And we do that not just in religious, not from a religious standpoint only, but we do that in just culture and society as well. What CEOs we work for or the people that we ascribe to, the pages that we follow, all of these kinds of things somehow make us feel better and more powerful about ourselves because we're somehow associated with them. Well, it's true. So I mean, it, it's, it's very interesting. Do note that mental was first run by me by myself until I found Michelle and I'm like, hmm. We're going to bring that over here because that's going to help this show and it's going to help me. It's why you're here. So power by association. I'm affiliating myself. You find power in being associated with me? We've we've talked about this. Yes, I do. (laughs) I know, but I'm still in disbelief over that. I have no idea why. (laughs) So, yes, um, association is huge. And I'll even say one of the things that I advocate for, I'm a you know, I'm a corporate trainer. One of the things I actually tell in my first two weeks when I'm training people is, hey, when you're on the floor, pay attention to other people around you and pick a few people, people that do their job well, people that you want to be like, 
and start reaching out to them for help and associate associate with them it will help you because not only will you start to practice and do what they do but you will actually start running in those circles and then you're regarded higher as well so right yeah well everybody wants to be associated with with you know popular people or i mean go go back to high school and think about it you wanted to be friends with the popular people because then you were popular by association Mm -hmm. to those people so, I mean, this is not this is not something that just happens in adulthood. This happens your entire life. Like you're constantly trying to associate yourself with somebody that makes you feel better about yourself or in a more powerful position. So it's but it, it, this is where it just cracked me up because when when this was presented to me and I started thinking about the church, I was like, this is so funny because I have pictures of myself with different conference speakers and stuff that I was so enamored with, you know. And then you find out they're just people. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> They really are. Most of the time. <laughs> now, most of the time. <laughs> in starting this association, right, and and looking at, because there's another piece to this that I think r- applies to the deconstruction in religion a lot, and it's like mentorship and apprenticeship. I think I'm not saying that word correctly. Apprenticeship no. um, and, and mentorship, because like I actually was an, um, an intern at Word of Life Church, and I worked under Brian Zahn and I worked for their youth ministry and I was being taught in the way of becoming a youth pastor. Right. So I I think that applies a lot in the Christian faith. Hello, life and discipleship. Can I get an amen? Absolutely. Amen. (laughs) The church loves discipleship. By golly. Yes. And of course, you know, there is something to mentorship. I have no problems with mentorship. Um, in the church, we also use terms like accountability partners. Mm-hmm. Um, it's somebody that, you know, has That's maybe bringing, traversed a problematic area better than you and suddenly you're associating with them so that you feel better about traumatic. it. Why are you doing this? No! Accountability group. A <laughs> little bit. Yes. I used to. Okay. So I. <laughs> I know. I hate accountability. I, I hate mean, that word. <laughs> when I was a kid, like in junior high and high school accountability partners were a big freaking deal like joshua harris's book i kiss dating goodbye and then i think it, oh the archer burn books what was what were those called something young man but i don't remember but it was all about not jerking off and you know they'd start all these groups <laughs> that were I missed all these books. I mean, it's behind me. I guarantee you I still own this book. Is it Every Young, every man's, young man's Battle? So, every Young Man's, every man's Journey. Something. That, yes, okay, that's I've those. heard of it. I've yeah. never read it, but I've, See, I'm not a young I'm, man, though. Well, so. there's one for women. So, anyhow, but... Girls don't do yes, that. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, yes they do. <laughs> they most certainly do. So... Yes, Anyways, accountability partners were huge growing up. And I mean, I just remember I used to be part of XX Church. I used to have like all of my internet history s- sent to people, uh, you know. Oh, oh yeah. wow. And they totally saw that I was looking at gay porn. So that didn't stay a secret that long <laughs> in that specific group. But I just want to mention I have a little trauma there. It brings back a lot of memories. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, again, that is something that's pretty big within the Christian, re- you know, religion, that idea of accountability. It is a, it is touted as something positive. However, for many people, it does become something negative. They're also, again, and I hate to be the purveyor of bad news about everything religious, but there's such a room for manipulation mm-hmm. in that. Because now you may not be following Christ. You may be following this person right. that may not be following Christ like they're supposed to. You know, Because I know in the Bible, Paul talks about follow me while I follow Christ. I, I understand that. But most of the people we know are not Paul. So <laughs> there's if this they sense were, of, of it, it could would be a, a much better place in the world because he was definitely well, gay. you would think. So I just want more <laughs> gay people. I've heard you say that before. <laughs> My Bible does not say that. It tells so. you he has a thorn. So doesn't tell you what the thorn is. And I thought it was his eyesight. That's what I've been told. I've been listening to Keith Giles. Okay. <laughs> no, that's not, not from him. <laughs> no, I heard that a long time ago, years ago. Um, no, but there is this sense of a, 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 a chance for manipulation. Anytime you open up an area of your life to another person and allow them to speak with any kind of authority into your life. 
So we have to be really careful about that. They have to be somebody that really should be in that position because a lot of times they're mm-hmm. not. Or they're walking around doing things they're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> How is that helping you? It's not. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, I I remember having accountability partners in the church. I remember my husband having them, quite a few of them. Ironically, and I don't know if you would mind me saying this or not, I never felt like they did a damn thing, to be honest. <laughs> well, the key was not results. It was just feeling good about confessing. It was, it's, yeah, it's supposed to be about changing right. behavior. And it, so. I think that it was really the Protestant church's uh, answer to confessions that the Catholics do. That literally. Oh, that's a good um, point. Because I think that the Protestant faith has really, f- has lacked on confession and owning up your own mistakes. And I think that literally that was one of their endeavors. Hmm. I never heard that before. That's actually. That that actually makes a lot of sense. So we don't have confession. We don't the, go. We don't we don't go. No, of course not. So, yeah. and the Bible's very and the word does say confess your sins one to another. Yes. So it's very clear on that. <laughs> so we don't yeah. do that. Very clear. The Bible's very on clear. on that. I said, I said clear <laughs> on that. I'm also very clear that Paul was gay, but you know that's neither here nor there. <laughs> You got a whole different Bible than me. That's all. So, anyhow. <laughs> but that's okay because I don't read mine anyways. So. <laughs> I don't either. So. <laughs> oh, see, I'm at that level of deconstruction. In, okay. So. <laughs> but in being, in being uh, held accountable, and if specifically we want to talk about networks and associations and things like that, you're honestly part of that process is you're learning the culture and the environment like you're you know yes. that's the whole point of an apprenticeship right it's to learn and, right. and a lot of times learning the culture takes time the church yes. has a specific culture unlike any other well yeah for most of us however we're raised in that so it becomes second nature it, it is just very ingrained so as you're struggling to ask those questions now you're having to separate yourself from something that's almost you know at the dna level mm-hmm. for you as far as how you conduct yourself or how you deal with other people, it, it, and that becomes a very big part of the deconstructive process as well, which we'll go into it later. But how, how do we have relationships with other people? You know, when, when all of our relationships have been very defined in certain ways by religion and that, that accountability is one of those mm-hmm. areas. Again, I mean, that goes even into the ideas that you were talking about addiction and programs and stuff earlier. That's a part of AA and NA and all of VAs, whatever they are, is is having that sponsor or that person to whom you can call and share that you're struggling. It comes back to those very ideas. So again, they can have positive connotation. It's just, again, anything like that can be open to manipulation and used negatively. Mm-hmm. So that's what we have to be very cognizant of as as we're considering opening our life to somebody it has to be it has to be something healthy or it's just going to hurt us in the end so but yeah it is very much part of culture so and it it creates almost a sense of dependency yeah, we we talked we talked on, about that i mean on ah. another person though not a substance no. A dependency on another person wasn't that powerless, but powerlessness. But I guess it also uh, it applies to association. Well, yeah, as well. but it applies here as well. But remember what we said: like once you leave a stage, it doesn't mean you never visit it again. So What's maybe the you point do find climbing the wall. A position. I will climb that damn wall, and I'm not going back. <laughs> I'm not going back Jesus. over it. <laughs> oh, I took the Lord's name in vain. That'll be edited. Oh my God, oh, you're going to hell. <laughs> it's going to be edited. Oh, he has that I edit do, button. Uh, I don't I edit. You, but now you've talked about it, so now I can't. <laughs> I have I have successfully overcome yes. that that ability of manipulation so for you. <laughs> so yes, we we rely on others until we start doing self exploration. But yes. we we do rely um, on others, and and also I would mention to some extent receiving from others a sense of security and a sense of self-confidence and things like that, really relying on other people for that. Right. Well, 
You want to push back know. on it. Push back on it, Michelle. Push yeah. back. There's always going to be somebody that, you know, thinks we should do things differently. I mean, one of the examples in the book, and it's funny, uh, it's it's a story I've heard in a lot of different contexts. But do you remember the story that she shares in the book about the, the donkey? I honestly skipped that part. And it literally, it, you skipped I, the I donkey? I didn't really like the stories. I just like <laughs> the instructional. <laughs> she she has a lot, lot of stories. Yeah. And so I read all of the instructions. A lot of stories. If you want me to, I can read it. A man and his son were walking on a road toward town with their donkey. They met a man who chastised the son for making his poor father walk when the donkey could carry him. So the son encouraged his father to get on the donkey and off they went. Soon after, they met another man on the road who chastised the father for making his young son walk while he rode the donkey. So the father set his son on the donkey with him and they continued on. After traveling a few miles, they came to a bridge and met a group of people who chastised them, both for riding on the poor donkey who was old and weak, so they decided to get off and carry the donkey. In their attempts to lift the donkey to their, to their shoulders, they got too close to the edge of the bridge and the donkey toppled into the river and drowned. People who live their lives according to the prescriptions of others run the risk of losing their donkey. Exactly. So there's a there's a point when we do need to have sound, you know, opinions around us, other people's opinions. There is a time to open ourselves up to be accountable, however we want to phrase that. But there is in this the danger of be, of losing yourself basically because you've turned over your your life to somebody else's opinion. And and I think that's what she's trying to convey there. Or at least that's what I take away from it. So I, I want to be smart about allowing people to speak into my life, but I also want to keep moving to the point where I don't need as many people speaking into my life that I'm learning to be wise on my own. And of course, that's a stage we're going to talk about later. But at this point, we're still associating with other people to find our power. We have to be very, very careful about how we're doing that and who mm-hmm. we're choosing. They really need to be people that are, you know, that are up to that to that challenge, so to speak, that are living their lives in such a way that it's a good example. You don't just pick Joe Schmo off the corner and say, oh, that guy looks like he's successful. I'll follow him. That's Mm -hmm. a recipe for disaster. And you end up with your donkey in the river. I think I've ended up in the river a few times. With the donkey? I think I was the donkey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's another whole conversation. Welcome to Mental Podcast. (laughs) Yes, Where all we're the time. real. <laughs> Most of the time. Uh, no, but I mean, you know, she makes the point that self-exploration can take the form of volunteering and things like that. But we have to be wise in choosing those mm-hmm. things. Associating ourselves with the right things or the right people is necessary. Otherwise, we end up not having power. We end up in a powerless position again, because now we are associated with somebody who is probably acting inappropriately. That's happened to a lot of people. I mean, think about the number of people that have associated themselves with, I, I don't know, politicians or religious figures who have been caught in, you know, different sexual problems. <laughs> and now suddenly you're like, oh, you worked with that guy? Now you're now you're guilty by association. Well, that's, there's a lot of truth in that, specifically within the yeah. Christian community. Yeah, there is. And it's a very unfortunate thing. It's a very unfortunate truth. I just feel, but again, so this is a normal, it's a normal part of our lives. I but, just feel so bad what? for the people that were under Mark Driscoll's leadership. I just, you know, and, and the, that's going to be with them for the rest of their lives. It's sad. Well, hopefully it's a good learning. Yeah, hopefully. A good learning process for them. <laughs> I'm sure it has been. <laughs> well, you never know. I mean, a lot of times, though, people double down on their choices. <laughs> they don't go, oh, yeah, that was a bad choice. They're like, well, it was a good choice because of this, you know. So, but again, finding your power by association is normal. It, there's nothing wrong with this. We're not saying that you should think of it negatively. Just be smart about it. Okay. So we're talking about association and we're talking about picking people that are beneficial and good for us, correct? Right. Right. Are there times in which we <laughs> attempt to do that and we never <laughs> we never get accepted, we never get promoted, we never form those relationships, and so we're kind of like constantly 
on this path of feeling like you're not fitting in. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there there are those instances. I'm sure there are people that just don't fit in well with anybody in general. Mm-hmm. Um, people that are more introverted, it, it, I think it's difficult to find those associations. I don't think that means you don't look. I do think, and of course, I'm not I'm not applying this to people that identify as introverted. Just let me say that up front because I'm introverted. But I, I think a lot of times you will still find those people trying to find some sense of power by association whether it's real association or not. And I think we see this a lot in social media communication. Well, so-and-so told me, or I was in a conversation with so-and-so. Well, you don't even know that person. You just happen to follow them. (laughs) And you made a post, a comment on their post or something, you know. So, But you're still looking for that sense of association with that person because you find them approachable somehow or you find them powerful somehow. And you want to feel that way as, you know, yourself. So I think even if you don't find those connections easily, you will still you will still look for them and you will still actually feel like you have some kind of power based on whoever it is you're listening to or reading or whatever, whether you know them or not. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a weird little conundrum. I mean, like I said, all of these have positives and negatives and so it's difficult to, you know, to say one way or the other where it's a good thing or not. It's going to be different for each person. Oh. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I sometimes feel like that, like I'm just recycling, like I'm just, you know, trying, but never, never landing. Like connecting with other people? At times. Mean? Yeah. I do connect quite a bit, but there's moments when I don't and, and have had moments in my life. I've had seasons in my life where I definitely did not. It's taken a lot of think the time and skill. Uh, relationship yeah. building that's happened over the years. Well, again, I think that comes back to personalities, though. I don't necessarily mean that. Think that means there's anything wrong, right? Oh, that's good. That's it, a good it's point. It's just a personality issue. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, like I said, I if you sit with me in person, you will literally catch me wringing my hands almost the entire time Aww. because I don't do well face to face with other people. I can do this, but even this makes me nervous. I'm better by myself. I'm harmless. You're harmless. <laughs> but see, it doesn't, see, that's, that's the misconception here, though. It has nothing to do with how you are. It has everything to do with how I feel. Mm-hmm. And, and so again, when we're looking at power by association, it doesn't have anything to do with whether that other person is actually powerful or not. It's how we perceive them. And if I perceive them to be powerful, I want to be associated with them. In, in this case, in what you're discussing, I struggle with face-to-face conversations because I'm concerned about how people are perceiving me. So it's, it all comes back to a lot of us internally, you know, what, what little foibles do each one of us have? What personality ticks do each one of us have? What experiences do each one of us have that have built us into who we are? Mm -hmm. But you know, there's the other side of this too. And, and I think that it kind of gets left out of the conversation, but it, it comes up as pertaining to this conversation, the other side of power by association is what if you are one of the people that others perceive as powerful? How do you function with people trying to align themselves with you? What does that, what do you think that does to somebody mentally? I mean, that's just a curiosity for me. Boost their ego. Well, for sure, immediately boost your ego. But what is the long-term effect of that? And again, I guess maybe that has to do with your personality and everything. And I think it could go many ways. I mean, I think it can end in great, and I think it can end in an explosion. Yeah. Because if people are always looking up to you, it's like you you feel as if you always have to know the answers. You can never be wrong, or you can never be weak, or you can never be faulty. Yeah. Never have a mistake. Because people are listening, people are following and I think for a lot, you know, I think that can have, uh, I think that can have an impact if done for a long time. For sure. And it puts us right back in imposter syndrome. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Circular. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how that just creeps up? No, granted, we just. How it all just works together. We just together. finished it, but I, these do indeed <laughs> go hand in hand. <laughs> it's like one giant Seinfeld episode. <laughs> Everything circles back. Oh, Seinfeld. I'm too young for that. Oh, shut up. I'm not. 
Oh, well, I don't know. Have we done justice to powerlessness and power by association? Or is there more you want to say? I think (laughs) that we have. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I think so. Again, a lot of this is going to be centered around people's personal experience. You know, it's a bad example, but it's like reading a horoscope. You read into it what you're familiar with. So as we're talking about these things, I'm sure that there's other things that could be said, but it's based on somebody else's experience or, you know, perspective. So I'm sure that those thoughts are coming up as people listen. Mm -hmm. So I'd be interested. I would love for people to share, though, their ideas and their thoughts on what we're discussing. Uh, As Seth mentioned, we do have a Facebook page. I would love to see feedback or questions or comments or arguments even. I'm down with all of it. So definitely check us out there. All right. So what are we going to be talking about next time? Next time, we are going to be talking about... Are you checking? Are you are you looking it up? I don't have them memorized. <laughs> you don't have them memorized. It's power by achievement. It's the first right, one. The, <laughs> yes, it's power by achievement. Power Which I have so many. I should. This shouldn't be difficult. I just. <laughs> I should just know. I'm going to talk about myself. Oh, okay. <sighs> the thing that's easy for men. What's the other one? What's the other, other one? Other one what? The the other one we're talking about. We're talking about two uh, of them. Yeah. Well, I don't like it. I don't like the fourth one. That's why I'm making you say mm, it. <laughs> I see. So we're going to talk about the power of achievement, along with the power of reflection. Ooh. It's where it starts and getting fun. If you think reflection, I think vulnerability. So we're uh-huh. gonna see what happens. And when I hear achievement, I hear ego. So mm-hmm. we both have our foibles. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> but that's it for next time. So I'm excited about it too. I, I, it's a good discussion. It's a good subject matter. So check us out. It'll be good. Uh, ask questions on Facebook. If you want to join Marco Polo, please feel free and. Uh, we're available on all of your favorite podcast apps. It, this episode will be released on Mental Podcast as well as the Fade to Gray Network. Hey, these are the movies that molded me. What's up, podcast listeners? This is Elizabeth. And this is Chris. What's going on? It's Omar here from Movies That Molded Me. What is Movies That Molded Me? It's the most fun podcast around. (laughs) It's a movie ranking (laughs) game show where we take our favorite movies from a specific topic or genre and play against each other to create the definitive top five list. Where can we find Movies That Molded Me? You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) You need to listen to our show.